Are you ready? Oh, I'm about as ready as I can be. I don't yeah. know about you. We yeah. just have to start hanging out at bars and stuff, you know. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Keeping Your House Warm, where we update you on the goings-on around New Zealand's property market. We also try to find some crazy stories that you may not have heard of this week. Uh, so, Keelan, just quickly following on from one of our topics that we talked about last week in New Zealand. So this time they've announced that by 2024, they're wanting to add sleeping pods for the economy side of things um, on their bigger 787 planes. Not only are we getting beds, we're getting what they call sky nest pods, which yeah. um, from, from the photos kind of looks like you'll just be squared up face-to-face with somebody else in a nearby bunk, kind of yeah. like you're in a, a camper van or like, you've seen those photos of um, Navy personnel in their bunks? Kinda, oh, yeah. It kind of looks like that. It does look like that. It, yep. is a, it is a bunk for four people in a pod. Um, so these are only for their super long-haul flights. Um, so if you're flying direct from Auckland to New York, that's basically where it'll be available. Mm. Um, unfortunately, though, the bunks aren't fully yours for the entire flight. You're no. only allowed to rent them for four hours at a time. Which I think... It sounds it's not like, long enough for a sleep. Not so, no, and it also sounds kind of grotty. Grotty for, for those that there just means dirty. Uh, it sounds a bit dirty to me because, I mean, I, I have this feeling that, you know, you're going to, the minute you get out of this bed, somebody else is going to get in. Yeah. Like, it's only four hours, right? So it's not like you rent it out for like 16 of that uh, out of a 17-hour flight or you you know you have to get in for four hours and get out and then somebody else is going to get in so yeah I'm i don't pretty, know how I mean, I feel about that eh yeah they, they must have a, a cleaning roster but again it's right after someone else has slept on it for four hours and the thing is that they haven't really disclosed the price yet so we really don't know how much it's going to cost I extra don't, i don't think it's going to be cheap eh yeah i, I mean don't. i'm uh, personally i can sleep on a normal seat in an economy quite easily if it's a long flight. It's not hard to sleep. It's not hard to sleep. I mean, sure, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I will admit that. But yeah, nothing says you can't just sleep in your seat. I mean, I guess for some people, they really can't. So this mm. would kind of work for them really well. Yeah, I feel like if I'm trying to have a sleep and I have to stare at the guy next to me. Uh, I think there are curtains though. Uh, I hope so. Because the place I'm going to be really weird where I have to stare at another guy and be like, yeah. good night, baby. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few <laughs> other issues here. Um, you are very close to the next person. So you probably will hear them. If they snore, that'll ruin it for the three other people that will be in that pod with you. Maybe you have to sign a little disclosure. I don't snore. (laughs) (laughs) I don't smell. I don't fart in my sleep. (laughs) The other thing would be also, how big would these pods be? They do not look like big. They look like very thin single beds. So if you're a particularly big fella, you're not going to have much room to work with here. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what they come up with. Oh, we've still got another couple of years, right? Yeah. (laughs) We've still got another couple of years. Yeah, so it looks like we're starting to get more and more comfortable as our planes start to fly out for these longer and longer flights, trying to give us more room to sleep with. But... um, yeah, renting a bed for four hours on a 17-hour flight. Um, not sure. Not too sure quite yet. We'll leave that up and see how that actually goes. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, let's move right back to property. Um, this story, let's start with our crazy story for the week. Mm. Um, a tenant has been ordered to pay over $7,000 for <laughs> selling the owner's furniture on Facebook. Yeah. So it looks like she was renting out a nicely furnished home. Brand um, new home. 
a brand new furnished home. So this home came with any everything. It looks like it came with the bed, the fridge, the washer, the dryer, TVs, mattresses, you know, all your curtains, yep, everything. Fully furnished. Fully furnished, ready to go. And she decided to sell it. <laughs> she decided to sell everything that the owner had given her to use in the house. So I, I don't understand what drove uh, Joanne here, Joanne here to sell everything in the house. I mean, if you've got brand new furnishings in your house, why would you sell them? And why would you think that you could get sell away it, it for yourself? Yeah, yeah. And get away with it, eh, yeah. without somebody noticing. Because I mean, it's one thing to sell it on Facebook. <laughs> it, it, it's another thing to think, oh, I'm going to get away with it. She sold a shower head as well. She ripped the shower head off and she sold that. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's when it became too far for me taking the shower head off. Like, why? How much? How much can you get a shower head for? I don't know. Some obviously, <laughs> obviously, somebody bought it. Um, but the funny thing here is that the owner only really found out after doing their um, inspection when the tenant left, and mm. she admitted to it. The tenant admitted to selling it off. So in text too, why, she, she admitted to it in writing. Yeah, she yeah. didn't. She didn't try to hide any of this, which I think speaks to how well she probably wasn't thinking this all through, eh? No, no. There, I mean, potentially there would have been some issues between the tenant and the owner itself, but we don't know that. Um, oh. The article only really says that she did end up selling most of the stuff, uh, most of the, the big uh, items anyway. And also it seemed like there was some interior damage to the house as well. So mm. it, it just sounds like this tenant wasn't that great to have. No, it sounds like she was a horrible tenant and I feel like everyone should be a bit cautious of this woman if she ever comes and applies for your house again. Yeah, just it's so weird for somebody to go, you know what, I've given you all of this new stuff to rent with the house, so don't sell it. Like, why would you go yeah. and go sell all of this stuff? It's free. It's brand new for you to use when you live in the house. Why would you? And most um, rentals these days, they don't offer a fully furnished house. Well, no, because for the owner, for the actual landlord, it's really expensive to keep that kind of stuff maintained and it usually gets damaged really quickly, right? Yep. So for him to go out and give all this stuff kind of speaks to, that he was quite a an open and trying to help out kind of a guy. So for him to trust her not to have destroyed all of this stuff, which, <laughs> I mean, she didn't destroy it. She sold it. You know, it says a different story. But man, if this was your first home, if this was your first rental property, this happened to you, you would never trust the tenant. Yeah, this is really discouraging. Yeah, it doesn't speak good for us renters. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, not good rentals, we'll go right into the next article from Stuff. Um, It's saying that landlords need to wake up because the the rental market has changed. Like I can see that physically happen because my next door neighbor, um, a unit right next to mine, it's been sitting there vacant for the last month or so. Right. The thing is, uh, one or two people might go and view it yep. during a weekend, but that's very low compared to when it was sold first way back uh, last year. Yeah. A lot it. of people went and saw it. The driveway was full of people viewing and it was taken up straight away. But yeah. now it's just been sitting there. So tenants are really hard to find now. Yeah, so it sounds like the people are really struggling because I think uh, probably this relates in a little bit to what's going on at the moment as well is that cost of living is quite high. Yeah. So people just haven't got as much money to throw around for their rent. So, you know, if they can't afford to rent more, they're just going to start picking places cheaper Cheaper. and cheaper, right? So, um, yeah, and I've had a talk. I've got spoken with a couple of rental managers recently myself and yet they're, they're happy to drop at least like i've seen them dropping they're saying they had to drop like 150 dollars 
per week mm. to even get it considered by more people to rent, and it still isn't getting taken. It's still sitting there after $150 a week drop in rent. Imagine giving up on $600 a month and yeah. you're still not finding yeah. somebody to take it. It doesn't look good for investors. Um, just for example, the the neighbor I had, so when they did buy this house, they bought it for around $800,000, this unit. Mm. And they were renting it out for about the 550 mark, which is mm. normal for, for Ellerslie, you know, yep, central yeah, yeah. Auckland. But the unfortunate thing is they're not, it's an investment property for them and they do need to mark up the price a little bit so that they can service the mortgage. Yeah. So unfortunately, they, they're, they're kind of stuck where they do need to at least price it up according to their servicing. Mm, mm, um, mm, otherwise, they'll be at a loss. Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course, right? You don't want to sit there losing all your money on a property. Um, And yeah, it just seems to be the case now that if rental managers aren't being a little more lenient and kind of realizing what's going on, they're going to cost their their landlords a lot of money. Yeah. These these four to eight weeks that a house is sitting there is like, you know, say you're charging five, six hundred dollars a week, you know, that's two thousand dollars, four thousand dollars of, you know, just wasted because you weren't, you were too greedy. And you're forcing to pay all this money yourself, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, you have somebody who pays you only $500 a week instead of $800 a week, and you only lose three, or you lose the whole eight. <laughs> so sometimes you've got to pick the lesser of the two evils here. Yeah. So some rental um, you know, uh, homeowners out there might need to just step back on the greed. Uh, another point here is that they made it in the past, probably looking prior to COVID, rents were only going up about 2 to 3% per year on average, right? But in the last couple of years, we've seen that go up by about 10 to 15% a year. Yeah, that's quite high. That's yeah, rough. That is a very high jump. Um, so for that to happen, you know, there's going to, unfortunately, going to have to be some kind of rebound from that, right? Like that yeah. over-exaggeration, there has to be something that brings it back down to the normal. And yeah, I think and we, we're at it. We've been hearing how the housing market's become a buyer's market because buyers don't necessarily want to spend that much these days. But it seems like even the, the rental market, it's turned into a tenant's market. Well, it's starting because, to follow that same yeah. suit, right? And I think some rental managers are even now like pushing for the landlords to be open to more types of renters as well. So like yeah. those with so like quite with pets, with pets, for example, or small kids. Some rental managers will push their landlords not to take ones with small kids for the simple fact that small kids tend to break things. <laughs> I have I have had that happen to me already. Um, with my tenants they're great in every other way just like one small kid causes an accident right and then it's like a 500 dollars bill later but you know sometimes they'll push them not to take on small families or ones with young kids because they tend to damage stuff and it's the same with pets is that now starting to go hey look what if you open you this house up to taking on pets i'm still never going to budge on pets though i don't think <laughs> i think pets i bought the house and the, and the, the previous owner's pets had torn up the yard there was like these massive divots in the ground and i can't fill them in they're just so deep it's insane yeah but obviously yeah. it's completely up to you whether you you know you yeah whether to... you do it or not right yeah totally and that's exactly my point before you know it's so that you you choose to take somebody for a little bit less or you choose to fork up that whole income to repay the mortgage yourself it's up to you but it certainly looks like we're in a time now where you can kind of push back on rent which is good for for the renters Bad for the landlords, though. Yeah. Well, here's hoping that the borders are being opened up now. We get more immigrants coming in. To um, offset the 20,000. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, students might come back. Oh, as they'd well. be good. Good to see the, be good uh, to get the students, students back in. 
all those uh, inner city apartments can finally start getting rented again. Oh man, yeah, it's been empty for a long time. Yes, inner city market is very empty. And that's probably another factor that's playing into this as well, is that because of those inner city apartments, which would usually be taken over by students who don't really care about lots of free space and stuff like that, who only cared about paying price, are no longer there. They're sitting with these vacant units and they don't know what to do with them because no normal family is going to want to live there because there's no space for the kids but it only suits a student and there's no students to take up those spaces. So that, that, that will also be coming into this as well, right? Is the fact that students aren't renting up those spaces. So there is a lot of free units out there for yeah. really good prices. Moving on to taking a hit on things, uh, just calling back to the article that we mentioned last week in our um, our great little section called, wow, that's a lot of millions. That's a lot of millions. Um, we uh, actually have a, a, an end to that situation. So that home actually sold a, an, an impressive $3 million discount from what they're asking. Yeah, so One Roof has revealed the actual price that it was sold for. Um, mm. So just for, for a bit of context, the value for this uh, West Auckland mansion a year ago was around $9 mil. So $9 million. And it's been confirmed that it only sold for 6.6. Yeah. Um, so apart from us going, wow, that's a lot of millions. This is also, wow, that's a lot of losses. Yep. And that's not even, that's uh, just $3 million off their asking price, right? That's yeah. not that's not actually what they spent. So I think what they actually spent on it from the last article in total, they actually spent close to $10 million on fully renovating and setting up this property. So for them to actually get up to that stage and then now have to offload it at 6.6. That's rough. Yeah, that's rough. That's that really, they did lose a lot of money on this property. Yeah. But on the upside, the person who bought it for 6.6 mil. A great deal. <laughs> a great deal. Oh, man, if I could afford 6.6. Um, but the other thing is like this house is in, it's insane. It's it's not something that's going to suit everybody, right? That's the thing with these luxury houses is that if there isn't any luxury people in the country to buy them, you're in trouble. Yep. Because the nearest guy's probably got maybe two to three million dollars in his pocket at the most. For somebody to sit there with nine million dollars ready to go, mm. that they're they are they're few and far between. Um, but yeah, anyway, that is a lot of losses. Um, unfortunate, but <laughs> maybe, maybe that's we the case. Open up to doing that sub so that that topic as well. Wow, yeah. that's a lot of losses. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, moving on from that, though, uh, we're getting into a bit of a heated market, which I think, in terms of competitiveness between the agencies, so competitive is a bit of an understatement. Competitive is a bit of an understatement. So at the moment, two of the quite large, well-known mortgage um, and property investment firms out there, um, Propeller Property and the Opez Group, are having a bit of a heated fight. A bit of a scuffle. A bit of a scuffle. So the self-proclaimed queen of property and the self-dubbed prince of property. Uh, so just before we continue, the key words here, what Keelan said is self. self. Yep. So they both <laughs> have dubbed these names themselves. Nobody in this market, nobody in this country is calling them by these names. On the other hand, they sure as hell feel like they do deserve those titles. Oh, yeah. so the, A lot of ego going around. Oh, yes. It's a lot of ego throwing. Um, so. But before we actually continue, we are not taking sides on this. We are oh, just reporting no. on it. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I have absolutely zero say in what they're doing. Um, I, I don't like yeah. their practices. 
the way that they approach property in the first place. Mm. So neither of them suits my cup of tea. Yeah, it's just a bit of drama that we thought was quite hilarious oh, to, honestly, to read about. It's a nice cup. It's a nice tea. Honestly, I I appreciate sitting here and just watching a good fight. Like, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm that 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 gif of Michael Jackson eating there the, the like popcorn a bucket of popcorn, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is some tasty stuff. Yeah. So Nikki Connors is the self-proclaimed queen of property, and the Opez partner Andrew Nickel is the self-proclaimed prince of property and at the moment they're having a bit of a scuff so in recent months uh, especially due to the covid situation in the recent market both of these businesses have skyrocketed they have both been very busy they have both made a lot of money um, and they're both sitting on a lot of stuff mm. So obviously, as you got busier, you hire more staff to help keep on top of it, right? Uh, and at the moment, the way these guys operate is that they essentially work as advisors, real estate agents, and mortgage associates. So they help with the mortgage, they help link you to a property, and they advise you about how to do the property and structure it for your best yeah, so they, investment. Yeah, so they yes. offer the entire package, basically. That's their purpose, right? And both groups do the same thing. They have they find they have developers approach them with these builds. They help sell them on to each property investment firm's clients, mm. um, structure the lending well, make sure it's going to work, and then they'll help. They'll get a fee in exchange for doing that. So they essentially work as real estate agents as well because they get a cut of it for referring clients to buy these properties. So, um, so the main targets are investors. Correct. Yes, yeah. their whole their whole job is to is to sell to investors they're not really first-time buyer people they'll push it out definitely as being it but their primary focus is investors mm. with large portfolios so i don't like the way they do this taking on these cuts um i'm not the biggest fan of it i don't think it's very ethical in the way that they do this and that's kind of feeds back into what this whole fight about is right nikki has stated that she has got the most ethical form of investing while andrew here has returned with going you're not ethical at all. Yeah, yeah. So the fight started when the owner of Propeller did say um, that she is the most, she's got the most ethical practice in mm. property. And then obviously, Opez comes back. Actually, he hired a billboard right above her offices. So already a bit of a passive aggressive move. Uh, it's, I, I would say it's borderline not passive at all because <laughs> it, it got pretty obvious. And, and he even sent her a photo of yeah. them standing outside her office with, with the, the billboard. billboard in the background. It was actually back in December 2020. So this, so this is going, going on for a while. This is going on for a really long time. Yeah, I think it's just yeah. kind of like bubbled to the end now. With what's yeah, going on. yeah. So it seems like the queen herself of property <laughs> received a late night email with the photo of uh, the OPS partners guy mm. standing below it, and it's uh, the tagline says, "Prepared to take this down, but also happy to extend for year and erect the next one if you won't be reasonable and accurate with your advertising statements." So the advertising statements refers to her saying that she's got the most, most ethical. ethical business. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> So yeah, let the bitch fighting begin. Yeah, let the bitch fighting begin. And it, it, it sounds like they're, they're both just chucking shots back at each other backwards and forwards, you know, with in response to that letter she took, she went straight with going, oh, I'm not going to sit down with you. I'm not going to talk with you about how I operate my business. Yeah. You know, that's none of your business. Um, because they, they are competitors, right? Yeah. So, you know, why would you want to sit down with your 
opposition and go, oh yeah, this is how I've made my business so competitive. This is how I've kept up with you this whole time. Mm. I I mean, he obviously that. had reasons to make that statement. To you know, to to not believe her being the most ethical. Well, yeah, because she does the exact same thing they do. <laughs> she, do, they both do the exact same thing. So if his stance on his own business is that he doesn't see himself as being the most ethical, how on earth would he see see her being that? Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? Is that it's not that their business practices aren't illegal. They're totally legal. Yeah. They're just referring on these in exchange for a fee, which is which happens with a lot of products. It's the way the yeah. way marketing works. It's the way that any sell-on contracts work. It's all the same. To the normal person, it would seem like a bribe, though. To, to, to an outsider, yes, it would definitely seem like that bribe. But it's just those things you have, to be, you have to be careful about is when they have these big deals set up, unless they're directly contacting you to talk with someone specifically, if they're the first ones to make that contact to you about it, they're selling it on to you. They're mm. trying to offload mm. it to you. And and that's just it, right? It's because they do these things in order to help generate income for themselves. It doesn't help paint them in the best light either. <laughs> it doesn't help. And and so this is what this whole fighting has been about between them is, is like, you know, what's ethical, what's not? It's like, how can you say you're ethical when you're not? And and it's gone to a point now where she started to threaten them with legal action. Yeah. She called in a lawyer and said, yep, go and make sure that they stop harassing me. And I don't think it stopped him. I think they're still No, I think it. it's just egged him on a little bit. Yeah, it's just given him more of a, it, it's chucked more wood on the fire. It's just <laughs> gone, well, I've already gotten a response out of her finally. And I think it's just, it's just how these guys get painted. It's just the images and the way that people view people in property. Mm. It just hasn't helped either of them do well. And, you know, they throw all these, the shade and these defamations at each other. And it just, it just doesn't help either of them. It's not the best. And to top things off for the queen, <laughs> she's also being investigated um, by the IRD. Yep. The Inland Revenue Department is apparently putting her firm into liquidation. So the head commissioner for Inland Revenue have applied for her firm to be put under liquidation. So we don't know the details. If the IRD steps in, that doesn't sound good and it doesn't look like she's actually the most ethical. No. So uh, I think the running theory at the moment is that it's due to her being owing on taxes. Tax evasion, classic. So she's she's always been failing to pay her taxes or she is committing tax evasion in order to do it. Um, There is a difference there between tax evasion and tax avoidance. So tax evasion and tax avoidance are two different things. So tax avoidance is when you intentionally put, say, you know, your securities and your income into companies and stuff like that in order to pay lower tax brackets. That's fine. That's legal. Yeah. Tax evasion, though, that's a different thing. That's where you intentionally hide things yeah. <laughs> in order to not pay your tax. Yeah. So we don't know the exact reason as to why she, what's happened here, but that is the running theory is that she actually owes quite a lot of money to the IRD. Yeah. And she's denied these claims, by the way. Yeah, she's currently at the moment, that's where it currently stands, yeah. right? But this doesn't help her. No, it doesn't. <laughs> this is probably another you know, piece of ammunition that OPA's guy was yeah, is going to use, right? Because yeah. if she does actually owe money to the IRD, how ethical is she? <laughs> yeah. And so all of this for her has got her really... She's uh, sort of backed into a corner Yeah, at the she's moment. kind of backed into a corner. She can't go to the government or go to yeah. a lawyer to get this stuff stopped anymore because... Because then she'll actually be investigated She'll probably. actually be investigated. <laughs> yeah. And she can't tell the other guy to stop yeah. because she won't tack back her claims. 
So at the moment, it's kind of in a standstill, right? Is that she just has to kind of hold out and hope that something changes, hope that one person backs off. I yeah. don't think the prince will. No, it, it, yeah, it sounds like the prince is actually going to try and push push it out. Being competitive is is a is a good thing. Oh, hundred percent. If we if we are talking ethics here, to the point where you know you're you're going to essentially take down an entire company. That's what tens or hundreds of Employees. jobs. Yeah, it's not just the queen that this you know this fight is going to involve. Yeah, it's going to involve a lot more people. Yeah, because the minute you start, you know, as from like a customer's perspective, if the person that you're trusting to help manage your your investments for the future can't be trusted. You're not going to want to go there. No. And the minute your business starts dropping, your staff are going to have to go, which is the unfortunate thing. But I think from Andrew's perspective, this is all fun and games for him. I really hope not. I, re- I, like, I really hope he's got some, like, I don't know, some other reason why he's doing this. Well, I mean, he's obviously doing it for the ethical perspective. Yeah. Like, you know, trying to make sure that everyone understands fully what's going on with yeah. her. Yeah, because if, if if this is just for fun and games for him, man, it's so evil. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's more that like it's fun and games for him in the fact that she constantly keeps avoiding the truth and that she is trying to run away from this instead of just admitting it. Yeah. Just, you know, if you're in the wrong, just admit that you're wrong or withdraw that statement and just move on. Yeah. Save yourself, save your staff, save hundreds of hours worth of money and lawyers and people's lives. You know, and just move on. So we'll keep you updated as um, that <laughs> moves on. But we at the moment, we're, we've got some really petty people having some really petty cat fighting, and um, honestly, yeah. it's great. It I, really I, I, I don't even think this is going to get more leads for them. Nah, either, I think, either of them. I don't think this is like some kind of marketing tactic for themselves because this is this is the kind of stuff which could sink you mm. as a business. This isn't good stuff. Yeah, and and these these fights rarely happen. So for it to, to make to, national to, uh, news, yeah, it has to be pretty big, and especially yeah. on this kind of scale, like the way that they're doing it as well, it's not it's not normal. It's not normal ways <laughs> to go after another business. Like I get putting up the billboards, but that close to their office, like yeah. it's like five meters away. Mm. It's um, it's not good. But I think we should move on to some uh, unfortunately quite personal news for me um i read this article and i had a bit of a cry um, <laughs> beer beer is getting more expensive um oh, no. not only is the cost of living going up the cost of my beer is going up too so it looks like the cost or the tax put on alcohol is going up by 6.9 percent not to 6.9 percent up by 6.9 percent um which yeah. it's just like inflation i guess it is. It's inflation, but it's directly targeted at my beer. And I'm not happy about it. It looks like, in general, um, beer in New Zealand is probably going to go up anywhere around uh, 8 to 20%, which is rough. That That's going to make one cheap pint into uh, almost a dinner. Yeah, not really a cheap. Um, so the coffee industry has done this as well. So I know where we get our coffee beans, uh, it's actually a local roastery. Mm. They've upped their price by uh, $5 at least for a kilogram of beans. So mm. it's not just, you know, it's not just the beer, it's every other item as well. Yep. Um, but what I've seen though, cafes haven't upped their prices. So really... If you are, or if you're a cafe or an independent um, roaster, mm. you're still having to pay that now premium price for coffee beans, but you're not 
upping your, your price. So then how much profit are our cafes making off us? So yeah, I guess the, who knows? They might have, they might have raised their food prices. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, I was going to say it's that or cafes are just robbing us blind <laughs> and we've just never noticed. Do we need to launch an investigation into I don't know. cafes? Uh, but yeah, yeah man, it, it looks like the cost of living is going up. Taxes are going up as well, unfortunately. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like I'm going to have to be a little more sober going forward because my bank account can't take much more. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know the reason here is saying that overall freight costs is impacting it as well because of fuel prices. Fuel prices. So yeah. again, you know, the back down to the fuel, um, unfortunately, it does mean mm. uh, everything else will go up. Um, now that we've officially heard that beer is going to go up, a lot of a lot of guys and a few girls out there who love beer. They're all going to be sad. I'm going to be sad. I love my beer, especially oh. the the Japanese import ones. Mm. Oh, that's probably going to suffer the most because they do have to ship that in. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that is a shame. But um, ending everything on another positive note, uh, we're going back to uh, talking about lending again. We're going to talk about some triple CFA. Yes, there's, there's been some changes. Good ones. Sorry, uh, there will be some changes. The, yes, they're, they're, they're still rolling out, but they have been announced, but they're yet to kick in. Yes, so these changes will kick in 7th of July, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. so very soon. Very, very soon. Yeah. So for those that aren't aware, the Triple CFA, or known as the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, was kicked in in just December last year. Mm. And it hurt. At it first, hurt a lot of people. It hurt. So basically, it readjusted how every single credit lender in New Zealand had to approach lending money. So before, for example, before the change, you could just approach it under you know any personal expenses situation. You could say, for example, I am only going to spend $1,000 a month on food. I'm only going to spend $200 a month on petrol and keep my car. $300 a month on rent, that will all stay the same, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what happens. But now what they do is, is they have to actually look at it on a more personal level. They actually have to look at what is your personal expenses that you may spend that aren't fixed. So going out for coffees, going out to McDonald's, going out drinking. Takeaways. Takeaways, all that kind of stuff. If they saw it repeat enough and it was consistent, they'd chuck it in there as a fixed expense. So they had to start considering your lifestyle habits. If you're a coffee, you know, buy a, a cafe coffee a day kind of person, so yep. let's say it's five bucks. So yep. per week you'd be spending twenty five dollars. Correct. A and week. they'd chuck that onto your expenses, and that yeah. would stick. Yeah. You so just for example, twenty five dollars a week. How much will that take away from lending? Probably take around uh, twenty five dollars a week. So you've got, oh, sorry, a hundred dollars a month. So that's going to take away probably about ten thousand dollars of lending, which is could be the difference between it could be yeah could be the difference between you owning your first home and not right. Yeah. So when that was the case, that was non negotiable. That triple CFA policy meant that no matter what you said, that was it. You were stuck agreeing underneath those lines. So what's happened now is that these li- these credit policies, at the same time that the market was starting to slow down, really hit people. It hit people so hard. So what's happened is, is that the government has now decided to pull this back a little bit. So they've turned off the Scrooge McDuck and they've loosened it down to more, um, what's the rich duck? 
I don't know. Is it Scrooge McDuck? Well, Scrooge is the guy with the, All the, the gold coins. Ah, oh, it is Scrooge McDuck. Well, you know, they've turned it down from, from super tight to just loosened up. So what are the, some of the things that they've made the changes on it, Oz, is that before another part of it was that if you were saving, so say you save $200 a month, they had to include that as an expense. Oh, so that's from your paycheck into a savings account. Correct. Yep. So if you saved that money and never touched it, or you put it into like a savings scheme or sharesies, any of that kind of stuff, um, they would have to consider that an expense that you would be continuing. Once again, this is something that they wouldn't drop no matter what you said, even if you said you weren't going to continue saving after the house. So even though they know it's going to a savings account, meaning you're not spending it, mm-hmm. they still counted it as an Correct. expense. That yep. does not make sense in my head. Well, the, the I think the real reason behind that was like they needed to show that you, if you were committing to savings before, they needed to see that you could still commit to save for your future afterwards, right? And if you can't afford to still continue that same savings, then, you know, it would be a big issue for yourself if you came up to be that you ran into an emergency situation and you need money. How would you pay for that? So that was their concern. Mm. So if you didn't save in the first place, don't know how you got your deposit, but, you know, um, that's fine. But for a lot of people, they have savings. So the banks had to consider that. And that, for some people who are really aggressive savers, that took away a lot of borrowing power. But now that's gone. So that's no longer something which we need to record, which is great. So the second thing was about the spending habits. So like I said before, if you spent $5 a day on coffee, $100 a month, that was fixed. They'd consider that fixed. They wouldn't take that away. Now what's happened is is that you can simply propose that you'll stop doing that. So if you said that you were going out for lunch every week, every day, you're going out eating lunch every day, spending $20, $30 at lunch every day, and you said, after I buy this house, I'm going to cut down on that, I'm going to start cooking food at home again, then they'll actually take that on now as long as you verbally uh, in writing agree that you'll do that. Would you need evidence afterwards? No, uh, the bank might check in on your spending a couple of months after settlement just to see how you're doing, but they do that for all loans. Uh, they'll generally check in and see how you're doing. But, but if it's if it's bad enough, can they actually be like, now nah, I'm taking your house away? The only time it really comes down to the bank and what's your situation, but generally the case is as long as you can still afford to pay your mortgage, they won't care. That's the rule of thumb. Well, exactly. It shouldn't have been there in the first place. Because like, if you can prove that you can repay these mortgage repayments yep. um, before, and why do you need to prove that you do afterwards? Because you, you may need to change your situation in order to get the lending. So say you were spending that $100 a week on the coffees, but you need an extra $100 a week to be able to afford the mortgage. Oh, I see. Then you said you were going to cancel the coffees, right? Yeah. A, a best example would be if, let's say, your wife goes into maternity leave. Yes. Yep. 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 A good example would be wife going to maternity leave. You're, you basically would say, yeah, cool. My wife's going to go back to work. Can we get an approval now for the loan? And then when we settle, my wife will be back at work. Cool. As long as you can show it to us, we'll take that on. Yeah. And that's it. Is that they're a lot more flexible now. Um, now, the third one was that the banks are actually now requiring to show sufficient surplus for lending when there was no clear definition of what was sufficient. So basically, the banks now need to have an agreed upon set number that says, yeah, cool, this is the baseline for what we all say is how much extra you need to have Mm. past the mortgage repayments. So say your total income was $3,000 a month, 
but your total mortgage repayment was only 1,800. So you've got to say $1,000 for your personal. So that brings you up to 2,800. That extra $200 per month may be the baseline that the banks all have to set. Oh, yeah. And so before every bank had their own kind of their own variance on that and it was all very flexible. They weren't really fixed on that. So now the banks actually have to have a set agreed number. So that just helps make sure that people have got some extra money in the bank account, right? It means <laughs> That'll that, be nice. <laughs> yeah, especially when interest rates are on the rise and things are changing. You know, it just makes sure that people have got more money to be able to, you know, save or to spend on themselves or to cover emergency situations without them going, crap, I have nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it's there for. Which is what a lot of articles are saying that we can't afford to live properly anymore because of high mortgage rates. The other thing is that some people have got what's called lifestyle creep. Yeah. Right? And so they may have gotten a big pay rise. And so instead of only spending $1,000 a month on food, they may start spending $1,500, $1,600 because they know they've got the money to yeah. accommodate that. Um, and another part is, is that there's a lot of people out there who got interest-only loans because they're like, oh, cool. I don't have to make these big repayments for a while. I can save money or, you know, I can do, you know, just spend less on my loan in the meantime. The problem with that, though, is that you get comfortable with only yeah. spending, paying $500 a week. Yeah, that's and when, a good point. And when your interest only rolls off and you have to start paying eight, nine, $1,000 a week, you've already put yourself into a position where you're spending, you thought your expenses were way less so that when it comes to actually now needing to pay the actual mortgage, you can't physically do it because people will go out and go buy a boat or they'll go back and buy a brand new car and they'll get a more, they'll get a car loan or a boat loan to go with it, like a vehicle loan. And then they'll go, oh, crap, I actually haven't got any money now to be able to keep up my lifestyle. And so they'll go, oh, I can't afford to live anymore because they've now got this new lifestyle, <laughs> which is too expensive, right? It sounds like a trap uh, easily you it, can fall into. Interest only is a trap. Please, please, please avoid interest only unless you absolutely have to. There's only very few situations where you should be going on interest only. Is that advice? No. <laughs> <laughs> please consult a mortgage advisor at any point in this. Um, please aware this is only general information. This is not specific advice. <laughs> no, because I am nowhere near a mortgage advisor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just edit these. Yeah. So there has been a lot of changes going on recently. Um, some are good. Others are bad, unfortunately, at the moment. There looks to be a lot of fighting going on with some of the investing companies out there, which um, from the sidelines looks like a great watch, to be honest. I'll be paying close attention to that. And it also looks like my beer is getting more expensive. So going to have to switch over to spirits on that one. <laughs> Oh, that sounds bad, Keelan. <laughs> oh, it sounds horrible. It sounds absolutely oh, horrible. Man. But, you know, I think we are all doing about as well as we can right now with everything that's going on. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like world-ending kind no, of bad. No, we're not in the worst. No, no. Things could be yeah. a lot worse, but they're not. The, the fortunate thing for New Zealanders is that we're an island, you know, the, the nearest continent is three hours away. Um, you know, obviously the, the downside is we are still an island that's, Pretty Three isolated. Hours away. So, yeah. Um, pros and cons, but I think, I think the the biggest thing to take away from this episode is that uh, there's a lot going on mm. out there. There's a lot of fighting, um, but you know, I guess just focus on yourself. 
And the stories that we tell you, really, we just hope that you find it funny. You know that kind of thing. We it's just some entertainment. Can, I think yeah, get some entertainment. I hope that you can take things away from this. If you're somebody who's always sat on the sideline, you know maybe you could go. Oh, maybe now would be a good time to get a little bit more involved or see what's going on. Um, I mean, there's plenty of cheap properties. Well, cheap by you know this year's standards compared to last. Um, I've seen. I think I've seen a home and in income going for under a million dollars, which mm. I was shocked at. <laughs> considering you can bring in an extra $600 a week. So yeah, there's lots going on out there. I think if you're just you know curious or you're just feeling like you should finally make the plunge, um, it's definitely doable nowadays. Yeah. You just have to be the person to make the first step, you know? Mm. But speaking of trying to get involved, if you do want to get involved with us uh, with any feedback or any comments or whatnot, if you want to just say hi, um, you can email us at keepingyourhousewarm at finax.co.nz. That's F-I-N-A-X dot co.nz. Um, otherwise, have a good week. Um, no more long weekends for a long time, Keelan. <sighs> Until yeah. October. Back to the two-day weekends. Oh, really sad. I know. I anyway. Know. Anyway. We'll make do. Yeah. We'll call in sick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good week. Have a good week, See guys. ya. Bye.